I just thought about something. Probably entire world already knows about this, but somehow it slipped uh, my attention. Get this. 9-11 terrorist attacks and 9-11 emergency phone line are the same number. Mind blown. This is crazy, man. Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, uh, anyway, we are here to talk about Russian culture. I'm drinking Medavucha right now, which is, I believe, called mead in the West. Uh, do you guys still drink slightly alcoholic mead drinks? Write in the comments. What about you, Kirill? Do you drink Medavucha? Yeah, I love Medavucha. It's one of my favorite drinks. Uh, there used to be a pub near me. It was an Irish pub, actually. Um, like, not one of those, you know, that uh, every city has. But uh, it was an actual Irish pub. Uh, the owner was an Irishman from somewhere near Dublin, from some small city. He literally just packed up his pub there and moved here. So that was pretty cool. And he would tell you this family story of his clan unprompted and stuff. Hey, this lamp youngins. I did a story about <laughs> my clan. It was made by a guy called Cocklos. <laughs> a jolly fine lad. Is this what they call an Irish accent? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. A few moments later. He made his own meat and it was very cheap and it was extremely good. And mm. I uh, always got it when I was there. And also a friend of mine, he also made meat at home. And uh, he <laughs> gave it to me to taste, to, to check if he did everything correct or if I would go blind. <laughs> did they even have uh, beehives or just bought some meat, uh, some honey from the store? Yeah, I think it was. I don't think it was like store-bought honey, but it was. Uh, they they bought the honey, of course. Oh, I see. I see. I see. But like, uh, but, but but like you know, uh, organic, ecofresh honey. Sure. I was uh, at a yarmarka, Orthodox yarmarka. So I bought uh, two bottles of Midavuka. One was very sweet and normal, but the other was a bit sour. And I'm drinking right now to test it on myself. If I go blind or whatever before I give it uh, to guests, uh, it uh, does have a strange, um, but quite pleasant taste. You know, like kefir, but meat. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. For a number of years, I didn't know where to buy Midavoka. It's like a conspiracy. Normal stores in Russia or bars or even specialized alcohol stores uh, don't sell it. Uh, I've heard good things about Fkusvil Medabucha. First thing, uh, there is no Fkusvil in Yekaterinburg because, oh, okay. because it's gay, you know. Uh, <laughs> we have uh, our own version of uh, Fkusvil, Zizmart, but uh, unfortunately they don't sell alcohol in any way because it's uh, not cheap to obtain a license. But fortunately on these Yarmarkas, uh, what is the English word for Yarmarka? Fair. Right. Mm -hmm. I just I, I just looked up like if it's true that there is no Fkusvil in Yekaterinburg and and um, I just I just put it in Google like Fkusvil Yekaterinburg and uh, the website on Fkusvil is like um, sadly there is no Fkusvil in Yekaterinburg but you can just go to Nizhny Novgorod. 
This is the closest one. <laughs> yeah. That's like what. Uh, it's typical uh, Moscow knowledge about <laughs> Russia. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's. I think it's actually the closest one. Like like it's like. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kusvil is, uh, if I know correctly, even a couple years ago, it wasn't even present in Peter. Uh, it's mm. very Moscow-centered uh, business, and you can tell by the scandal. Should we talk about this? But anyway, Kusvil is um, a Russian version of Whole Foods, something like that. So. Uh, organic, eco, vegan friendly, you know, the drill. So this uh, store had a pretty positive uh, reputation because uh, in regular stores the produce is uh, cheaper but it's worse. So a couple of weeks ago Fkusville made an uncompromising advertisement uh, about an LGBT couple of two old dykes and uh, two daughters that are also lesbian, I guess, but uh, uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, in, it, it, it was for Pride yeah. Month, I think. Sure, so in Moscow, uh, it's uh, just a Moscow-based business. It's not uh, West-owned yeah, uh, West uh, or whatever. And, and they had the whole bl blog post on their website about it, like yeah, modern family values and shit we, like that. And yeah, uh, we, uh, when the first uh, wave of attack hit, uh, their HR guys. I don't know what what were they thinking doing this in Russia, but they thought that they could uh, get away with it. You and know, I, I think yeah. I think that was just some kind of SMM intern or something because, uh, well, they just in a quote. There is a photo, probably originally produced. Uh, I don't think that he's I just googled the well, old, uh, ugly know, lesbians on the internet. Well, I know that they fired their uh, SMM guy yeah, or uh, gal, I don't know. Very um, Stalinist uh, technique. But I, I, th <laughs> I believe that uh, the whole uh, administration of Kusvil was uh, on the joke. I don't know, but the point is that they caught a shitstorm on Russian social media because, well, it's not the West, you know, it's Russia. And uh, so everyone was kind of mad about this and Kusvil, they deleted the blog post and they actually apologized. They they put out a blog post where they apologized for posting LGBT stuff and that they didn't want to uh, like insult their customers and they, they are very sorry for this mistake. And uh, it was signed uh, personally by like the CEO and stuff. It was not just a generic like, um, you know, uh, but by the company they signed with like uh, half a dozen names from important people in the firm. If uh, they wouldn't do this, uh, the business is over. They could get yeah. uh, a lot of lawsuits and stuff. But I find it funny when the some political, geopolitical, or cultural um, stuff like this happens, uh, resonance uh, happens. Suddenly, Russians who are angry at something start uh, making up reasons why they never like the place anyway. Like uh, Fkusvila, I'm not sure, I'm not familiar with uh, what they sell, but uh, a lot of Russians uh, were like, I used to go to the store every single day. I bought uh, this shitty ass uh, rotten meat and uh, bad vegetables every single day, but now I won't do this because of LGBT and because it was shit anyway. Well, no, okay, it's like uh, Georgia, you know, Georgian war, uh, Russians uh, suddenly were like, 
uh, Georgians peace in their wines will never buy <laughs> it ever again. But uh, I don't think that it's uh, absolutely true. So let's talk about top 10 misconceptions that Russian experts in the West have about Russia. Or what is uh, what are the types of experts? I believe that there are two. Uh, the first type uh, is the, are the people who never had the chance to come back and they are forever stuck in the 90s and they spread this um, old news about uh, you know heroin epidemic or whatever that was popular back then or gopniks or uh, I don't know prostitution rampant on the streets uh, and the other kind are the experts who have some connection to the motherland and they probably are overly optimistic about Russia that it's not hell anymore and that uh, they feel sorry maybe that they escaped so what are your thoughts about this categorization yeah I think it's somewhat true especially in the United States I think there's a lot of these people who are like stuck in the 90s mindset um, <clears throat> they just live in like Brighton Beach and uh, it's like a um, time capsule you know it's, they might uh, <laughs> listen to some modern media like Echo of Moscow there's a lot yeah. of uh, <laughs> American Jews uh, who know Russians Russian and they have some interest uh, at what is going on in Russia. But if you are consuming Russian liberal media, you might just reinforce your belief that Russia is uh, forever stuck in the 90s because yeah, it's true. all bad news. It's um, obvious what the first kind of experts believe, but uh, what about the second kind, the overly optimistic people? Because in most Western countries, there are elections in Russian Duma. People who have uh, citizenship or double citizenship, they can vote in Russian elections. Mm -hmm. And they overwhelmingly support Putin and United Russia Party. Quite certain that uh, these uh, results uh, couldn't be uh, made up, fabricated in any way. So they still support Putin because they believe that he is like a crisis manager who prevent Russia from going backwards to the 90s or the Soviet Union. Mm, I'm not sure it's true for every country. Um. I believe in London it's uh, not that <laughs> Putin friendly. I think I think um, it's a bit of a selection bias because uh, the people who vote who for vote, Putin yeah, while yeah. living abroad this is uh, they like go the to vote yes they yes be it's believe uh, in the election system but uh, still like i have never yeah. voted uh, for all the time me I neither think, me um, neither i'm uh, because it would i don't know i'd have to drive like two hours or three hours to the next consulate and uh, i'd have to bring my passport and shit and stand in line and the consulate looks like like it is uh, there is also a big line yes yes and it's just like why no I, I don't do that shit. a few moments later mm, I think the most really prominent difference aside from like cliches about Russian smiling less and so on is that Russians care a lot less for rules rules and law like uh, Russians uh, always live uh, you, you know like informal culture we care less about the law we care like it's become extremely obvious with uh, the 
pandemic, COVID regulations, how like Russians care a lot less about it than Europeans or Americans. I don't know, uh, in America it depends of course, but in Europe generally, uh, in Western Europe, um, people are extremely, like they don't understand why, uh, how, like if the government says that you have to follow rules, then you have to follow rules and Russians just don't give a fuck. Yeah, I think in Western countries there are some people who also refuse to follow rules. Yes, of but course. They of are course. generally insane or <laughs> ideological, you know. Uh, they are not regular Westerners at all. Yes, yes, that's true. I'm talking just about like, of course, there are all kinds of people everywhere. Quite difficult to put it in words. Like, we are more cynical, but at the same time, we're more easygoing. Um, like Westerners uh, often, um, one thing that's like really a minor thing, but I think it represents a lot. It's like a party culture. Um, I think Russian parties are a lot more fun and uh, more spontaneous than when Westerners organize themselves because um, it's just less organized everything. It's uh, less organized. You don't uh, talk about like, oh, we're going to walk in the park for two hours and then we're going to have three and a half beers and then we're going to eat something and then we're going to take a walk for half an hour and so on. Uh, Russians just do, you know, uh, yeah. they just do stuff. Spontaneous shit. Yeah, uh, there is actually a big Russian word. Piska, mm -hmm. which means uh, certain home party, the gang of people is um, going to a certain place of one member of this group, and they are going to drink in his apartment. To translate like pisatsa, it's something like crash at someone's place. Yes, yes, but crash not just sleep overnight. Yeah. Maybe crash some windows and fuck some girls and do some drugs or whatever. And uh, they will be <laughs> left to deal with the consequences. Uh, it's a very sacrificial thing, actually, to uh, hold a piska at your place. Fortunately, I have never done that. I always uh, did piskas only on some foreign turf. So it was very fun for those <laughs> who do it uh, on uh, not your own flat. Of course, there are some, you know, American comedies about, you know, house parties of school children who also do the same stuff. But yeah. what is the difference? Well, actually? well, Russian piskas are a lot more raw, I think, and unorganized than uh, like Western house parties. Of course, that happens all the time, like house parties uh, in the West where everything gets out of control and it's chaos and stuff. And But I think uh, when Russians party, it's just kind of more visceral, more raw. It's not always chaotic or whatever. No, you know? no. Because most of the piskas that I have been at were actually asexual, for example. Mm -hmm. There was no sex at all. You know, unlike, I think, Americans who expect to be, you know, fucked, gangbang or whatever, they have a schedule in their <laughs> brains to bust their load. But Russians actually never do that. It all depends on the company. And a lot of uh, the piskas are just philosophical ramblings at the night in the kitchen. It's the most typical thing when, like, uh, three guys are sitting in the kitchen drinking vodka or whatever 
uh, and uh, rambling about life and the meaning of life. That's a huge Russian trait that is also very underrepresented in Western people. Um, sure. Just these out of the box, um, outside of the box philosophical discussions because of course every Russian believes himself to be an intellectual at core and uh, to understand the meaning of life. Uh, yeah, even homeless people and uh, like uh, <laughs> alcoholic freaks on the street, these philosophers, uh, bums who just uh, get along with you and start talking about the I don't know, universe or meaning of life or aliens. <laughs> <laughs> Very archetypal thing, nonetheless. Let's, uh, let's talk about our own lives a bit. What is new? I am going to Murci in my new Lada car. Uh, it's a Russian brand of cars. Uh, you might know Lada cars from Vark Vikernes, who drives a Niva car with uh, some weird uh, camo. Is it a Netze camo? Do you remember that? I don't. I don't actually watch Vark videos, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> you can't watch it because uh, he was banned two yeah, years he, ago oh, right. from all platforms, yes. He doesn't make videos. Why didn't you watch his videos? Well, I don't know. I'm not a fan of this whole pagan aesthetic thing. Neither am I, but it was really fun. So. Well, I'm not a fan of video content in general. You know, I don't really, I don't really listen to podcasts. I don't really watch videos on YouTube, and so I'm more of a reader. And I sure, so am I, but I don't listen as much to podcasts. Not to offense our audience, here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I do watch a lot of videos, or I did rather, because. Um, in a couple years all of interesting stuff was banned so mm -hmm. it's uh, it's nothing there's nothing on youtube to uh, in english speaking youtube of course to actually watch so uh, yes so yes uh, mark wickerness owns uh, lada from the 80s uh, design i own lada from 2018 which i am, uh, am extremely glad for because it really costs uh, as much as it does uh, it's really a great car it's uh, has a automatic transmission has all the comfort necessities uh, it uh, really provides a smooth ride very fast and agile and uh, extremely extremely spacious place Bagajnik. I don't fucking know how it's called in English, but whatever. It's really great. And uh, two days ago, I tried uh, my Lada in a trip to northern Chelyabinsk, which um, is famous for its lakes. Chelyabinsk, northern Chelyabinsk is a lake country. There are probably hundreds of lakes. Uh, Sverdlovsk region where I am from is uh, very very poor on the lakes but apparently in very industrial Chelyabinsk in the northern part there are very clear crystal clear lakes that you can swim at and uh, there are also some Indo-European sites now of uh, great value uh, that uh, are present right now uh, there are some ruins from Indo-European burials and uh, the Kurgans. holy places. Yes, Kurgans uh, as well. Uh, it's very interesting in the 
I think that uh, people who are interested in anthropology in the, in the European culture must visit northern Chelyabinsk region, uh, especially, especially Arkaim. Arkaim is a Bronze Age uh, settlement. It is uh, one of the most populous uh, settlements of Indo-Europeans in Ural region. It's very interesting place. A lot of uh, Russians uh, who are into the cult go there and proclaim this uh, place of power. This is a very <laughs> famous term. A lot of middle-aged uh, women go there and like pray to some, you know, some uh, weird. Uh, I'm not sure what they are praying for, what they are waiting for, but there are some ruins of water supply of in the European water supply, of uh, their basic machinery, in the European warriors themselves. And uh, there are some museums uh, related to this topic. So it's uh, really interesting. I hope to go there, but I was just at some lake in northern Chelyabinsk. I called them megaliths in uh, Discord. Actually, it was just uh, naturally occurring Kamini Palatki flat stones that are layering upon each other. It's pretty interesting how are they like that. It really shows how ancient they are because they are all uh, beaten by wind and uh, the rain. They are all rounded up. They are really ancient. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually also uh, last week, yeah, I uh, went to, it was summer solstice and uh, i also went uh, took a trip to um a place of power a local it's kind of rock formation um that has been like a pagan sanctuary in the early middle ages and before and um i actually had a um what i am semi sure is a paranormal experience um, so like it was summer solstice and this one of the biggest festivals for like neo-pagans, uh, both of the hippie and the neo-nazi variety. So it was like full of new age people in tents and uh, making fires and it smelled like incense everywhere. So it's weird stuff is bound to happen, right? Um, especially in Germany, this like new age uh, hippie neo-pagan culture is uh, pretty alive. Probably a strong smell of wheat. Yes, that too, that yes parts. too, but uh, a lot less than expected. I expected it hmm. uh, everywhere to smell of wheat, but it didn't. So it was like a rock formation near a forest, and I was just walking around. Um, it's like one of the few big events in the region since uh, COVID restrictions have been lifted a bit. And so I just went there. Um, well, obviously, a lot of uh, weird people walking around, like dressed in, you know, uh, animal pelts and, and robes and whatnot. Uh, well, just as you imagine, like hippie neo pagans, right? And uh, I stayed there till late at night. So I was walking across a field and, uh, like, right next to the forest. It was like uh, just a grass field. And uh, the hippies were camping there. And uh, as I walked uh, along the path, there was like a person walking towards me, wearing like a huge black robe and a hood. Was it Odin? 
yeah i'm 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 it might have been it might have been so so i just thought well this is normal right there are a lot of people wearing robes here and uh, other weird clothing so i didn't think anything of it and he uh, the person uh, he kind of raised his hand and made a weird gesture towards me i interpreted this as like he was waving hi and i just waved back and said yeah good evening and uh, the person didn't reply and then i heard like a dog barking or howling and i turned for a second to look and i didn't see anything and then i looked back and the person was just gone and i was standing on a completely flat field of grass you know like a lawn <laughs> and and, and yes. there was absolutely nowhere this person could have gone within like the one and a half seconds i was looking away so that was really fucking strange and i, I <laughs> it's like like there was a lot of weird stuff like something that sounded like like i don't know werewolves or something but really nothing that couldn't be explained by normal hippie weirdness right but were you drinking that night no no i was completely sober hmm. and, That's weird. and yeah i was only drinking energy drinks nothing else uh, so and this is like the one thing i really can't fucking explain and maybe it's a side effect of energy drinks. yeah so much caffeine that i start to see beyond hallucinate yes see yes, beyond, beyond the pale nah, uh, beyond yeah. the veil of maya right yes the yes. true reality and actually, uh, and, and so, so yeah, and um, and then I realized that I never even saw the face of this person. Like, like I should have, but I didn't. So that was kind of strange. And I and and I basically live tweeted this experience, oh. and and I didn't even think of it. But Landshark, I think uh, he he said that it was Odin, and I was like wait fuck it's oh. it's actually l haven't seen that actually it's actually like the gray wanderer stories so yeah i don't know i don't know maybe uh, it probably was land shark <laughs> maybe. he's uh, probably a gastarbeiter in germany <laughs> right now so it makes sense uh yes in my experience in the ancient stone uh, constructions there was no mystical about that mm -hmm. but uh, because uh, it's just uh, people from the uh, Sverlovsk region from Yekaterinburg, uh, judging by the auto numbers, by the car numbers, just drinking beer and listening to various music. Mm -hmm. Actually, that night, it was the first time that I slept in a tent. I am not accustomed to that at all. Have you never been uh, camping be before? No. N yes, I have been, but never to sleep at night mm -hmm. while camping. So it was the first time with a tent. And uh, to the left of us, with the wife, we had uh, some boomer party, blaring chanson and the rest. <laughs> and we're uh, also fishing in this lake. And to the right, unfortunately, uh, there was a car with the zoomer party. They were blaring <laughs> rap music, new school Russian rap music. And it was a strange cacophony of sounds because uh, chanson was blended in with the new school rap music and it sounded like uh, some bizarre hell music to my ears uh, <laughs> while I was trying to sleep. It was really bad. I also didn't want to drink that much. Uh, I just drank like a liter of beer and uh, I s uh, was trying to sleep and they were not. So I slept to the tune of chanson rap in the middle of the night i woke up um, and the mosquitoes were just uh, getting better of me and then i just stood uh, under the starry sky 
and so in other news about russian experience what is russian experience other than wild parties uh, cynicism or whatnot not smiling what is it galkovsky liked to say that russians as in actual russians when they moved into western countries they're first to assimilate to the uh, local culture and uh, as if that uh, the noviops and the jews and whatnot are the people who hold on to the russian or soviet culture the most what do you think about this? Mm, i think that used to be true but it's not true anymore because um, now we have the internet and stuff russians are very like individualistic people right and uh, they don't really form diasporas or clans or anything and uh, russians don't really have large extended families anymore so they don't organize uh, like other like uh, expat groups in other countries but i think nowadays it's uh, different because you have uh, the internet you have like i don't know tiktok and telegram groups and so on and people are much more even if they are not that connected in real life uh, they still have like virtually this, connected yes, yes. to their source of russian culture yes, yes exactly and so i think that like in the last 20 years or so it's not uh, as it was before like you had of course the huge immigration wave after the civil war and those people they assimilated extremely like uh, their descendants don't even speak russian anymore yeah yeah in the 30s i think uh, they still tried to set up some newspapers and uh, the white guard uh, communities and the rest but uh, even then even then when russian families were much more numerous and with a lot more kids than now they were doomed to assimilate in the french culture or american or wherever wherever they went mm -hmm. but now they can because of the power of russian internet this is uh, this is a pretty interesting topic because people in the west may or they might know i'm not sure i'm not sure how they look at things but i think that it's pretty obvious that the russian internet is second to american yeah yeah it's in, uh, it's official statistics uh, in internet pages uh, by languages uh, russian language uh, holds if i remember correctly uh, second place mm -hmm. after english yeah this is true in the russian the russian internet yes. is uh, i think i mean i'm not familiar with like the spanish speaking internet i guess it's pretty large as well because of south america and stuff but, but less so in every statistical uh, data point uh, russians uh, are pretty much always on the second place yes. after english internet yes mm -hmm. the runet is an universe in itself uh, this is absolutely true and it's uh, the largest source of interesting content or unique content uh, aside from of course the international english-speaking internet and yeah yeah you might think that uh, like chinese or indian people or arabic uh, speakers might uh, be more populous and uh, what are the numbers for arabic speaking people it's like 
at least eight eight hundred millions, I think. Mm-hmm. But still, they don't produce nearly as much content as Russians do. Not sure why. Probably because uh, the most you know intelligent Arabic speakers immediately switch to English. Okay, I found a statistic. Um, okay. So um, there are several from the top ten million websites on the internet. Sixty um, percent of content is in English. Uh, almost nine percent is in Russian, and then comes Turkish and Spanish with four percent each, and everything else is less than that. It's very weird also <laughs> because Turkish language obviously is inferior to Spanish, mm-hmm. S- but still, because uh, I think there is some weird selection where intelligent Arabs and intelligent Spaniards speak exclusively in English. Yeah. Some cheeky listeners could just comment that you are speaking in English, so you're also cucked. <laughs> and you might be true, but it's not by my volition. You can hear it by my accent that I don't want to speak in English at all. Uh, if I did get um, uh, that much money by speaking in Russian, I would. <laughs> right now, I don't consume English speaking content at all. I just speak Engl- uh, some botched uh, English right now. I uh, never listen or read English uh, words other than our Discord, basically, or some Twitter post. But uh, I don't really sit uh, on Twitter. So I'm less Americanized or Englified than ever. And uh, and uh, basically we're ambassadors, right? So, so uh, we have to... Yeah, we have to. This is the point. I don't want to, really, <laughs> genuinely. Uh, so this is the, I guess, the difference between us and the Indians and the Arabs and Hispanics. Okay, so this is a very interesting point that uh, might provide you with um, correct understanding of what Russian culture is. And uh, let's talk a bit about uh, what Russian this huge Russian world and the internet presence and the rest. Can Russians be the leaders of the this new age that is uh, building up right now as we speak? Mm. What is the well, prospects? Well, I think the problem is that Russian is pretty hard to learn for foreigners, right? It's... Uh, yeah. There is not much infrastructure for learning Russian as it, is for, as it exists with other languages. Like you have, uh, I think they're called Pushkin centers in some countries, but they don't do that much to promote Russian culture really. And um, I don't see many young people learning Russian just to enjoy the Russian internet. Uh, but sure, sure. Uh, but I'm not speaking about uh, yeah, the westernness. Yes, but what uh, is happening is that the, like the hard infrastructure of the internet. I think uh, many people are discovering that uh, Russian platforms are superior to the Western equivalent. Um, like Yeah. Like Bronze Age Pervert recently joined Vkontakte. Right. And uh, this is uh, what separates Russia from most of the countries on the planet. Because basically, if we are to look at the sovereign internet or uh, countries that have any social media of their own uh, how many other uh, the countries who have any social media of their own it's china it's uh, japan it's russia it's usa of course 
And what else? I'm not sure, are actually. I, I, I think in the West there are no countries that have... Uh, well, they, u- yeah. they used to be like 15 years ago, but I think that has all died now. So everyone is on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and so yeah. on, Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think that Japan and China and Russia and USA are the only four sovereign internet mm-hmm. countries that can live without the whatever monopoly that is worldwide. And that is the huge advantage that Russians have, I think, that uh, their own, that our own language is uh, protected in these uh, parts. But, alas, uh, of course, there are some problems with that also, because uh, Vkontakte sadly is uh, owned by Alisher Usmanov mm-hmm. and guys like that, and it's not a very pretty site. Yeah, I think right now, like, the mo- the probably freest platform on the internet is... Pavel Durov's Telegram and uh, a lot of Western people are using Telegram. Like, really, a lot, a lot, a whole ton. Especially a lot of Middle Easterners, uh, assorted various mm-hmm. uh, Iranians and uh, the rest, Indians, uh, there are a lot of them, yes. And uh, and uh, it's still a small trend, but I see a lot of people, um, a lot of people um, whom I know who start using Yandex instead of Google. Uh, not even because of any ideological reasons, right? But just because Google sucks. Google has continuously gotten worse over, over the last 10 years. And uh, especially stuff like the image search, right? It's it's just uh, so much better in Yandex. And the yeah, a, a lot of people uh, say that. And the translating tool of Yandex is also better than Google, I would say. Yes, uh, certainly. But uh, there is uh, some handicap because uh, Yandex is vastly better than google in russian searches but in english searches uh, i personally use google Mm. because uh, a lot of esoteric uh, things i can't just i just can't find uh, on yandex Mm -hmm. sadly so yandex is very good it's not some duck duck go or whatever that is it's a really huge engine uh, unlike any other but still it's centered around russian language so but it is something that you can pr- uh, you can be proud about i just uh, pity the germans who uh, have all these pretensions but they just don't have anything in the internet what do the german have other than krauchan uh, uh, krauchan doesn't exist anymore really mm-hmm. <laughs> Why was it? Uh, I don't. I don't know. It was. It's. It's. It's been gone for two years, or three years Seriously? even. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it disappeared in 2018. Uh, Unavailable for legal reasons. I don't. I don't know what happened. Um, Crouchan. Uh, it's it, like a. Fi- the, yes, it's like an artifact from the older mm-hmm, time, right. from the older era. Yeah. Shit. Uh, basically, Europeans have nothing. Mm-hmm. to offer it's a really pathetic actually this powerful economic union that don't have uh, anything on american uh, that uh, completely rely on american social media that's why i don't believe in european union basically because why should i they don't have any any presence in in the internet they are not different from any african nations uh, in that regard mm-hmm. But okay, enough for the internet. So let's talk about 
the COVID, COVID restrictions and uh, the Russian approach to COVID. What are the differences? Um, at the beginning, it was pretty obvious that uh, Russian regions don't didn't really believe in that. Although uh, there was some panic in the March of 2020, I believe that uh, <laughs> I remember that I just uh, ordered some pizza in March 2020, and then I ate it, and then I felt a bit sick, and <laughs> I thought that it was COVID, <clears throat> that it was going to die. Uh, a funny story, yes, in uh, summer 2020, I got married, and uh, we were arranging our wedding at a closely packed restaurant, and there was uh, around 60 people. So, naturally, this was the time when I just uh, acknowledged that uh, actually COVID is real because uh, my wife's uh, father got sick with COVID a day before uh, the wedding. And then he, he was spreading the sickness across all the <laughs> <laughs> participants. And uh, in the end, about, I don't know, 40% was ill with COVID. And to be as well, of course, with the wife. So, but uh, for us, it uh, was absolutely bullshit uh, illness. I didn't feel anything. The test was positive, but I actually didn't feel anything bad. Uh, aside from the sense of smell. Yes, I, I wasn't able to smell good stuff for three months. I always, it always smelled like... Uh, smelly armpits for me. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Oh, uh, some delicious food on the kitchen is uh, cooking up and I just smell sm smelly armpits and I was uh, disgusted the whole time. But then it just got away and uh, it's no big deal. But for some guests, of course, for some especially older or overweight guests, it uh, ended up... Uh, pretty steep it, uh, they ended up in the hospitals but uh, fortunately no one was, uh, died of course uh, no one uh, was left with some bad uh, condition after a month from the wedding it was pretty extreme but uh, at the restaurant that uh, we held wedding at there was no mask mandates or whatever although it was pretty official by mm -hmm. the time that we should have been you know distancing or even banning the wedding procedures uh, altogether but restaurants didn't really give a fuck because it was their profit you know yeah there was like a one month or two month lockdown in moscow but after that it was just back to business as usual i think there yeah, we, we also had um, a lockdown around april mm -hmm. april 2020 and then yeah, it's okay it's all right mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah it was really fucking funny when <laughs> the whole city went silent yeah. when um, the police started uh, stopping every every person on the street and uh, questioning why are they walking uh, on the in the center of the city uh, do they, we have some you know uh, papers to do that mm -hmm. and uh, the whole city was silent it was really great to drive you know no yeah. <laughs> traffic at all uh, it was really great what's happening in Yekaterinburg now because like 
Moscow is uh, back in lockdown mode more or less and it's uh, and they are extremely like strict about the vaccine like they want a they want everyone to get vaccinated and uh, you can't uh, they've now introduced that you can't go to university you can't even live at the university dorms without being vaccinated you can't go to restaurants without being vaccinated uh, they want to introduce uh, they haven't uh, for now at least that you have to be vaxxed to go to the public transport in moscow it's a completely totalitarian dystopian yeah, society yeah, with it's, it's qr codes every yes, person yes. has a qr code that proves that he was vaccinated imagine that uh, it's not about chipization if that's the word <laughs> uh, but it's about qr codization uh, in moscow yeah but, it, it actually uh, kind of sucks yeah. because because like uh, for a year uh i everyone i know was like yeah based russia no lockdowns and now they're like absolutely speech running the COVID fascism that is, uh, has been happening in the west and they're they're almost it's almost worse now sure sure uh in that regard uh, ekaterinburg is uh, very much different from moscow as i think most of the regions but not all of them there are some weird regions like chukotka you mm -hmm. know that are uh, just following the moscow line uh, but uh, our region third wave is non-existent right now mm -hmm. there is no lockdown there's no qr codes there's nothing i think that uh, the local administration just waiting for this moscow fed to go away mm -hmm. and that's it no one really pays attention to any of that are people getting vaccinated like your friends acquaintances family mm, yes uh, my grandma was vaccinated uh, my dad uh, but it's uh, just by their own volition it's uh, not uh, you know like they're mm -hmm. forced to, uh, mm -hmm. or whatever uh, right now there is no there's no much use in getting vaccinated because uh, you are not banned from anything but there is one bad thing because uh, there was an annual concert uh, that was called ural music night the whole night the various artists from russia were flooding ekaterinburg and uh, performing every single street basically mm -hmm. city on that uh, night became a huge um, platform for concerts everywhere you go uh, enormous uh, amount of people just uh, going by from uh, one platform to another it's just you know celebration for the whole city and uh, right now it was postponed to some unknown dates mm. so. yeah that's also a big difference between people in russia and the west the russians just don't want to get vaccinated if it's not necessary like in Germany, uh, at <coughs> least 50% of the population have gotten the first dose already. And in Russia, it's something like 15 or 16%. And yeah, about that. And, <coughs> and basically, like what they're doing in Moscow right now, like absolute totalitarianism and banning people from public transport, universities and restaurants is the only thing that uh, can, yes, can, can motivate people because they're just... Uh, they just do it out of convenience and not because they think it's the right thing to do. I don't think that uh, Russia actually has very much anti-COVID, uh, you know, separatist 
or whatever. Yeah, uh, it's not. It is not really like an anti-vax ideology, like yes, in the West, yes. right? Yes, it's not it's like American. No, no, yeah. not at all. We don't have this. Uh, I think. Well, this subculture does exist, but it's really small, and uh, it has nothing to do with people not uh, wanting to get the vax. It's just, just people see no point. Like, why? Yeah, especially when the vax uh, can actually function throughout like three months. Yeah, and that's it. Uh, it's uh, not very convenient if the vax was uh, at least one year potent throughout one year it would make sense mm -hmm. but right now it's just uh, people think that there could be another variation of covid any day so what's the point vaccine with the old vaccination that uh, doesn't prevent the new variations of covid mm -hmm. basically uh, but okay so okay let's talk about the russian way of treating covid russian bunny <laughs> when was the last time when you went to russian bunny oh a russian bunny hmm. i think it's four or five years ago when you were at moscow mm -hmm. right was it a public bunny or local? No, private, private at uh, uh, at France, Dacia. Were you ever at public bunny? Um, no, actually, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> this is uh, where they give out the Russian licenses because <laughs> it's a horror that you can just uh, brush away, brush off. Uh, the public bunny experience in the childhood is uh, something because you are like seven years old right and you are going to public banya banya is uh, like finnish sauna but it's more wet it's more humid you are seven years old you are going to banya and your dad pretends that you are under five years old to get uh, you f for free <laughs> that's what's happening in public banyas so there are some weird governmental uh, things that uh, make uh, kids go free so you are now five years old by uh, on paper and you are going for free but uh, for you it's a uh, real torture because uh, the bunny is full of uh, old smelly uh, <laughs> hairy uh, grandpas uh, with, uh, <laughs> it's it's a really horror uh, it's, uh, there are some babushkas uh, mopping up uh, the floor, you know, in the male uh, section of uh, Banya. And uh, it's just uh, ridiculously bad. <laughs> and some guys are uh, piss drunk and you are seven years old. And uh, yes, it's a real trauma. But uh, fortunately, fortunately, I built my own banya. It's now working and I couldn't be more glad about it because it's gr really great. It can heat up uh, to the uh, 110 degrees Celsius. Um, it's uh, just great. Uh, the only thing that's missing is a pump. I <clears throat> dug up a well on my territory but I am missing, I am lacking a pump. Why ha haven't you built your own bunny yet? <clears throat> because I'm poor and I don't have a house or any land. How much would uh, 6 sotak of land cost in Germany? Oh. 
Uh, it depends a lot, of course, um, but I think you it's run your at least fifty thousand. Fifty thousand euros. euros mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, the land itself. Yes. Uh, that's pretty, pretty steep. Yes. And the house. Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably never going to own real estate in Germany. So uh, that's just insane. The costs are insane. It's impossible. To be, uh, to compare, right? Uh, I built my own banya, two-floor banya, with the second floor designated to be a living space for five thousand euros. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, well, I think I'm gonna be moving to Russia in the next five years, probably. That's the advice that you should all take to heart. <laughs> it's a really great advice. Do you think that, imagine that you, in conclusion, imagine that you are a German or whatever, American. What are the main reasons to go to Russia other than like LARPing? <laughs> um less state penetration so you're more free to do what you want less taxes the less culture war also like i'm not sure how it's looking right now right now the russian economy isn't looking really good either but at least up until a couple of years ago or up until like before donbass and stuff um i think uh, the trajectory was pretty much opposed like uh the living conditions or quality of life in the West is, of course, still higher, mostly, than in the West. Although I wouldn't say that's true for Moscow, at least. Um, but the trajectory, like living conditions or quality of life in the West is going down every year. And uh, up until a few years ago, it was steadily going up in Russia. I think it's going up actually right now because uh, yes by the stats you might think that after 2014 that something went wrong but uh, if you just uh, live there and you see how people actually look mm -hmm. what uh, cars do they buy what, uh, where they go to actually people are getting richer but by just more you know, gray economy means mm -hmm. than before. Uh, I don't actually believe in this mantra of people are getting poorer in Russia. Besides all the constraints and sanctions and the rest, actually, the Russian populace is very much uh, average European, mm -hmm. but uh, with some quirks, of course, but yeah. still. And these quirks that Russians have are actually advantageous because, you know, like the really really stereotypical point of uh, russian women being extremely hot but it's actually quite true because uh, let's speak Landshark, for example, mm -hmm. who uh, fantasizes about black women constantly. <laughs> Why does he do that? <laughs> Probably because Bulgarian women are <laughs> not that attractive. Uh, because Russians never fantasize about uh, black women as much as Bulgarians do. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a scientific research. <laughs> uh, Yes, uh, actually, Russians. Yes, I think uh, I think that's a very good point. Actually, the women they have a different attitude. Mm, it's something that Westerners always notice, especially Germans, especially Germans. Like German women, 
uh, they rarely dress up or put on makeup um, it's like a stereotype in in germany right that you can uh, like notice a russian woman because she is dressed uh, like she's going to a party when she just goes to buy some milk at the store that is the stereotype in germany so uh, and i think it was uh, well back talked about it in submission that uh, western women they have stopped dressing up or making themselves pretty for their husbands they make themselves pretty for work right and russian women have this kind of need to always be pretty when they when they are seen by people always And I think it's it's not just makeup. I think it's some weird genetic thing as well because because people love to complain about their situ situation, especially Russians. Mm -hmm. Russians always complain about shit, but uh, still, uh, Russian men are always still amazed that they were gifted with uh, women of such quality and such yes, beauty. especially especially because there's like a huge uh, difference uh, in. Uh, it's debatable it's debatable i think it's a bit overblown it, it is it is it is very much overblown but still it's like it's a nightish thing a bit uh, you know mm. but uh, yes uh, there is some genetic uh, thing that uh, makes uh, slavic or especially i think russian women um, exceptional exceptional and uh, it's uh, one of the main things that uh, western incels could uh, look for of course and they've been doing that uh, for years now so i am not the one who will let you discover this uh, reality but uh, a lot of uh, western incels actually prefer ukrainian women what do you think the difference between ukrainian and poorer. russian women I think that's yes, the main more difference. Desperate. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, you can impress like uh, I don't know the average Ukrainian woman from like some small town on Kharkivshina. Uh, like if you earn five hundred dollars a month, you're like a king to her. Whereas, whereas for a girl in Moscow, if you earn less than five thousand dollars a month, you don't exist. I I mean of of course not the average uh, Moscow girl but like uh, gold digging girl yes yes you think you mean yes 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 they know their standards much better than Ukrainian girls but still yes uh, okay is that it is it it for the mysterious Russian soul we <laughs> are talking about uh, for this bonus episode okay so uh, let's update you on our immediate summer plans. In summer, we are planning to launch our own live streaming. Live streams every a couple of weeks, every few weeks. Uh, we will watch uh, various Russian movies or answer to your questions or whatever you would like. Imagine Eggy. Eggy streams, but without <laughs> uh, not uh, nine hour loan and uh, without maybe like, who uh, knows. <laughs> <laughs> it, it depends. <coughs> yes. Uh, also, also, you might be involved in the greatest slice of life anime <laughs> uh, to <laughs> to exist. Uh, uh, but how? How could you? How could our audience be involved? Really? 
Well, I had the crazy idea that we could like start, a, I don't know, GoFundMe or something or Kickstarter or whatever um, and just uh, start collecting the money to for both of us to go to Moscow, stay there for a week or two and just shoot some kind of, I don't know, documentary, just go urban exploring in Moscow, just like slice of life anime stuff. I don't know, something some, something art house and weird. I think that yes, would be so funny. So support us if you also want to watch this title of anime. Yes, if you want to just, you have to tell us, uh, write comments, uh, message us, and if there is enough interest, we will start uh, seriously thinking about this. Yes. And also, this, and also yeah. another thing that might be happening soon is that uh we're gonna launch uh, might launch uh interviews interviews with uh important or interesting russian people um like in the form of text interviews and uh we have some people uh who might agree to it and uh, very interesting people so watch out for um yeah news on this we will keep yeah, you it's updated uh, historian sergey volkov or Maybe Igor Strelkov that we talked about in the previous episode. Yes, uh, I have also like, um, I know I have contacts to Dugin, but uh, for now he doesn't have time to do an interview, but maybe sometime in the future. Yeah, let's just uh, brainstorm some uh, weird, uh, big Russian figure that we can do interview with. And why it's Malafeev? <laughs> there, there was actually a request on our Patreon in the comments that we should do a podcast on Malafiev. That's um, a very hard request, actually, because uh, I'm not sure what to discuss, although Malafiev is an interesting figure. but Yeah, I mean, I, we might be able to contact him directly. Uh, it's just, well, I don't think we can get a... B billionaire politician on the podcast but but we all might, possible, but we might be able to get an interview in text form so i will try my contacts see if i uh, can do anything i was actually it. sleeping in the house uh, in Livadia near yalta that was owned by malafiev so I <laughs> his context, I think. Uh, actually, he just bought some houses uh, that belonged to the royal workers uh, that served uh, the royal family in the Livadia Palace. They're now just uh, used as hotels. Pretty cool ones. I recommend uh, staying at uh, one of the Livadia hotels. It's very good. Also, as always, if there are any topics you want us to cover on the podcast, you can tell us about it. Write a comment, shoot us a message. If you if you are an interesting person yourself, if you are in any way connected to anything that we've talked about, I don't know, uh, analyst in American general stuff or uh, whatever. Journalist, uh, CIA agent, whatever. Yes. yes, contact us and we'll get you on the podcast. It worked before. <coughs> yeah, under a pseudonym, so you wouldn't uh, disclose your anonymity in any way. Yes, we are perfectly, we value discretion, so if you're cool and interesting, shoot us a message and we'll get you on the pod. 
Yeah. Okay, I think that's it. Thank you for listening and see you next time.